some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Thanks to our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. Summer has come to an end. Bye, bye, bye. Back to school, traumatic in your house, or were the kids ready? A little bit. So my son Ryan was a little bummed because he has classes with none of his friends. So that was a kind of like a downer, which I get it. But then Mia, my uh, now freshman in high school, she is in like all these classes with her friends, but she's bummed about the new principal enforcing the dress code. Like she got like all these ideas in her head of the cute outfits and things she wanted to wear, you know, to look good and all that. And now some of it's going to have to stay in the closet. (laughs) So once we got past that, then there's the excitement. So yeah, so they uh, officially back in school and, you know, the house managed to stay on all fours and that's good. You know, (laughs) roof's still in place. So I feel like, you know, we survived that for sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess I forget like that feeling like that nervous anxiousness, like if I if I make myself think about it, I remember, but it's not until like they're often like just go I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember like that first day jitters and like there's the fun aspects of it. But then there's the oh, man, I got, you know, X number of months of projects and homework. And and for me and Ryan, they're in like AP classes, which is whew, way above my head. I don't <laughs> even know I could pass it now, let alone then. And I'm like, you're just so smart. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great summer. Like the kids, I will say they helped with chores this summer and made a nice little chunk of change and took a huge load off my wife and I, because the big thing is, you know, when your kids are home all day by themselves, you're like, "Ah," you know, and then they actually managed to do pretty well. I mean, I might have to nudge them a little bit like, Hey, you didn't finish that chore or, you know, go back and resweep that floor. But you know, that was minute. I was like, all right. I could handle this. It was a good summer. I know you're proud of them. And part of the anxiety must be that their high school is the size of New York City. I mean, it's really oh, crazy oh, yeah. big. <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's like White House. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you need a personal guide just to get from class to class. So, you know, if you can navigate that within inside of a month, yeah, I feel like that within itself is like, okay, instant A, way to go. <laughs> you can navigate life now that you've navigated this building. <laughs> couple breaking news notes. Barbie joins the Billion Dollar Club, breaking another record for female directors. I think that's pretty fabulous. Maybe we'll see more female directors. Oppenheimer in the news. We did go see it. And I was highly irritated much of the time. I don't know. It must just be me, but I did some research. The soundtrack is so blooming loud. You can't understand half of what, well, that's an exaggeration. About a fourth of it, you're like, wow, turn the music down. The acting is spectacular. The dialogue is great. They could have cut about 45 minutes out. But I did some research, and Christopher Nolan, the reason he gets so many, and I didn't realize this either, complaints about the soundtrack being blasting is two things. He doesn't make the actors, like in a typical movie, go back and overdub their dialogue. Mm. 
That's common. He likes the original feeling of the actual scene, and he doesn't like dialogue that's recreated. That's one of the things that makes the music very loud. And the other thing is fascinating. IMAX cameras are very loud. They're Mm. doing new ones that aren't. And so he's got to make up for that. I longed for silence during the movie. (laughs) There was none. (laughs) But anyway, those are two interesting notes. And I I saw you were at the theater as well. Yeah, we uh, managed to see um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the newest one which I was never a Turtles fan. I guess I was kind of, my, I was aged out when they were big back in the day, but Ryan wanted to go see it. So we're like, let's do it. So we uh, hooked up with uh, the matinee and managed to make it work. And, and it was good. Like the thing that I will say about this, and I knew this going into it and it definitely showed is rather than having dialogue and the writers trying to pretend what teenagers might say in certain settings, they cast the turtles, you know, as teenagers, of course, and then just set the setting and said, here's what's going on in this scene. How would you as a teenager react? Forget the fact that you're a turtle and you have ninja skills, <laughs> but, you know, and you're trying to save the world. But here, you know, here's the setting go. And so a lot of it was improv and, and that's the, it's very seamless. You don't know what parts were scripted and what parts weren't for that reason. So if you have teenagers at home, you kind of were like, yeah, that's exactly how my teenagers would talk. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. I mean, to, to be given that creative process and, and to be trusting to, to do that. And, and a lot of times with animated movies, they put everybody in isolation booths. So like, you know, Tom Hanks and, you know, Tim Allen are not in the same room when they do Toy Story, but there are certain animated casts that do it as an ensemble, and this was one of them, and I think that shows. I think it helps to drive that energy, and the animation is like nothing you've ever seen, so it it kind of takes on a whole new perspective when you're like, all right, that that was a fun view. Like, it's a fun family film. Really cool. I love that. And they found teenagers who would say more than, I don't know, or okay. It's like, well, how was your get... day? Fine. What yeah. did you do today? <laughs> Nothing. You know. <laughs> well, and it's, it's kind of cool, too, to see tur- see the turtles now in today's age with cell phones and, you know, how they get cell coverage in the sewer. I still didn't quite figure out, but I just <laughs> let that go over my head. But, you know, they're still like snapping pictures and, you know, taking selfies and, you know, and posting social media stuff and all that. So it, it's fun to see something from that, something that's retro come back with a freshness with today. Um, but yeah, in, in, anytime you can get teenagers say more than Calabunga, dude, you know, then you, you, you got <laughs> them going. It's a good day. Also breaking news, actress Sandra Bullock's longtime partner, Brian Randall, has passed away from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, known as ALS. He was only 57 years old. How they kept it a secret for three whole years. And here's how mean Hollywood is. They were all like, "Mm, Sandra's having problems with her relationship. Must be the kid she adopted. Her boyfriend couldn't take it because they haven't been seen in public for three years. He was sick. Yeah. He was sick. And that is not the way you want to pass away. No. Horrible. No. 
Yeah. And I, I will say, though, because like, you know, th- this was kept in hush. And, you know, last week when we were talking about Pee Wee Herman, kind of the same thing with Paul Rubens. He was very quiet about his cancer. And I got to say, I, I, I applaud that. Like, I don't know if I'm going through something, that, you know, maybe a handful of people would actually know. And then even then I would probably, you know, have them sworn to secrecy just because I would want to go through it in private. You know, I don't I don't know that I need the big fanfare and okay, now this is my, you know, champion banner that I'm waving so everyone will see me or that I have a cause and a purpose because I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I've fortunately not been faced with any of those things, but I mean, I, I just can't. I would much rather go through it with privacy, especially if it affects how you look and how you feel and socializing, like to have to answer all those questions and get that tilted head of, are you okay? Like I'm sure that's, that's gotta be exhausting. Well, and you don't want people to treat you differently. And sometimes treatments are really painful and you don't want to be griping because you're still alive. You know, um, the Lord wanted me to share about my hair loss and my disease. And I thought, wow, okay. I'm really liked my hair Lord. And you really want me to show a picture bald? Oh, wow. But God's really, he's so wise and he's so wonderful and I trust him and I'm glad I was obedient because literally hundreds, not an exaggeration of women who said, I might have that, or I have a form of alopecia or, you know, I'm distraught or where do I buy wigs? I still hear where to buy wigs. And so it's a beautiful thing. We trust the Lord in, in that. Another beautiful thing, you know, Tim Tebow. Tim, mm-hmm. I, when Tim Tebow comes up, I have to just go. <sighs> He's a good-looking man. There's no doubt about that. Oh, how can anyone be so handsome and so good at the same time? But but hey, to celebrate. There's only a little, few of us around. But, well, yeah. there's only a few, you know, you, my <laughs> husband, you know, just it's very rare. Tim Tebow, the athlete humanitarian and founder of the Tim Tebow Foundation, is cranking it up. He has a brand new mission called Unknown, and it's going up against human trafficking, man. And he wants it done sooner rather than later. He's been working in this field for 10 years now, but he really got upset because there is a faction of the police, and we saw a little of that in the new film about trafficking that shows the photos where there's advertising for you to have sex with little children. (laughs) And there are 50,000. What? It's like so putrid. It doesn't even really, I can't even grasp it really, but it's a reality and we have to. And he's built 20 homes to get these kids taken care of. 20 more going up. Yeah. And he says it's the biggest joy of his life, rescuing these kids. Yeah. And and I love that, you know, there's a heightened awareness, you know, uh, Jim Caviezel's movies helping to raise awareness. But I mean, as someone who goes in the streets and has for over a decade to help women, you know, get out of this situation, what do you think is it? I mean, I, I love that big names are putting money and and action into to cause. What it what will truly, in your opinion, from what you've seen, 
will actually break that cycle? How can, can I mean, is it going to take homes like what Tebow's doing or do you physically just go and take them out of the homes? I mean, how much is law enforcement really able to do just because I, I, I feel like if nothing else, cause like with the Caviezel movie, it heightens people's awareness, but then they're like, okay, now what? And then how do they get involved? Like, what is that? Because I don't think everyone's necessarily called to go in and rescue or to go on the streets and pray like you guys do with special ops. But there has to be an action point that can help to end this. Several things. Jesus, number one, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to tell them about Jesus. They're being trafficked and they're high. And how does that work? But there are miraculous transformations when people become a child of God. There's that. There's also the opioid addictions, the heroin addictions, the fentanyl coming across the border is killing people right and left. They're overdosing. And drugs are part of the trafficking of young girls, adult women, some men being trafficked. And, and that isn't as big an element with child trafficking. And here locally, child trafficking, the youngest that we saw, she was 13 years old. But so there's a difference in how you deal with that. And we learned from the Caviezel movie, Sound of, Free- Sound of Freedom. Yes. Oh, goodness, yeah. How more about child trafficking, but with adults, it's vulnerability of a young woman, a runaway. Very few are really kidnapped. A lot of them have run away from home and and they get caught up in getting their ID stolen, getting captured by somebody who basically takes everything away from them and gets them hooked on drugs and then makes them work off their drugs by seeing many men all day long, all night long. And it sets up a cycle. And so it's fueled by many things. But one thing is for certain, it's a tool of Satan. Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And he's using human trafficking, as, as Tim Tebow says, a $150 billion business. He's using that, keeping people in slavery. He loves that. Because mm-hmm. you, you can use a woman up, and then she sure. dies. One of the women we prayed with, the first woman we prayed with in a particular neighborhood... Two of the girls came across the street this Monday and said, remember, and I'm not going to say her name. We said, of course we do. Beautiful, regal, African-American woman with big you know, hair and uh, quiet personality. They said, guess what? They took her and they OD'd her, which I'm not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. Did they pump her with drugs? And she, I don't know what they OD'd her means, but they both said this not together with that language. So I need to find out really what that means. Mm -hmm. I said, they slashed her throat, raped her and she died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think this is, I didn't have to go overseas to see this. It's 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a horrible, we're going to turn the whole podcast and talk about human trafficking because it's my passion to be against sure. it. But anyway, so, but you asked the question, it's a complicated answer. And yes, law enforcement cares. They're more trained. They understand it a lot better now. But here's the thing. You, the women get arrested, they bond out within a day and they just move on to another motel. 
And a lot of it's on the internet now. That's why we can't even find a lot of the girls because they advertise on the internet and it cuts out all the street activity. Right. So, yeah, definitely lifting them in prayers. Cause <clears throat> again, the, the battle is just beginning really, but the, the more heightened awareness, I, I love that it at least gets people more involved. Thank you for asking and thank you for caring. It, it makes all the difference in the world. Habits that can add on to your life. You know, I'm at the age where I want to be around a while and I would like <laughs> to gain 18 years on my life. That would be all right with me if I were healthy. Here are the things that they say you need to do. Work out, work out, work out. When you first met me, my working out, I would joke about it on the radio, was walking from my office to the car, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Could not stand to exercise. Right. Now I love it. Yeah. And it has changed my life. So do that. Other things. Don't get addicted to opioids. Duh. Never use tobacco. Manage your stress. Eat a plant-based diet. I, I made vegan uh, peach cobbler. That was, mm -hmm. and it wasn't bad. Don't binge drink. I wish I could go back to my college years and go, Right. Get a good night's sleep and be surrounded by positive people. You and I have had some toxic people in our lives. How have you dealt with that in the past and now? I got to ask you that. Well, I mean, once you realize that you've got to set boundaries, that you are the one that's allowing people to mistreat you. So if you're giving them that room to just come right on in and get up in your business and tell you how to live your life and, you know, and then drain you of, I need you for this. I need you for this. I need you for this. And then you yourself are giving them freedoms to continue to do that. And then not allowing yourself the time to recoup. It's okay to give to people and give of your time and your talents and all those things. But if you don't replenish, you know, it's kind of like your bank account. If you just keep, you know, paying your bills, but there's no deposits going in, at some point, it's going to, you know, be in the reds. So you have to give yourself that time to be able to go, all right, I, I need this weekend to recoup me. You know, I mean, I, sometimes we can take the, you know, self-care to the extreme, but it, it's true. I, I feel like if we're going to be more sensitive to things like trafficking and more sensitive to things like anxiety and depression and all that, we have to be aware of who is in our life that we're allowing to mistreat us, you know. If, if you watched someone else being mistreated, you would be the first to go, hey, I don't I don't like the way that they treat you. But when we're the ones that are, you know, allowing it, it, it somehow we're it's accepted. So we we have to set the boundaries for those relationships. And then if someone has done damage to you emotionally, physically, God forbid, any of that, you have to give that to God and let him redefine all of the negatives that came because of possibly years of just being drained by the wrong kinds of people. And at some point you'd like to believe that they would see, Hey, I'm sorry. I've been you know, mistreating our friendship or our marriage or whatever, but it, they, it, sometimes it takes a while, you know, and you have to be comfortable in who you are with God so that he can help you set the boundaries and to sponge out those that are causing all those problems. Well, good relationships matter, and we have that with Taren Newell of Birmingham Mortgage Group. Very wise, very wonderful man of God, and everybody that's gone to him loves him. You've used him. I have. 
to get in the house of our dreams. And it's exciting, you know, in this world, you think, well, I just, I, I don't really have the funds for that. Look at interest rates. Why well, I can't do it. Don't just be negative Nelly over there. Get on the phone and see what this tremendous man can do for you to get you in a situation where you want to be, to get you financially stable. Yeah. And I think when you go to, you know, get that mortgage loan, you're thinking, well, my credit's bad. And I, you know, I've only got a little bit of money in the bank and like, we just think it's impossible. So we just continue to rent or we stay in a bad financial situation from, you know, a bad mortgage from years gone by. But Turin has programs that he has found and researched to help people in those circumstances. So don't just go, eh, I mean, you're out nothing to call him and then let him guide you through, hey, I've got this program. We could check into this one and this one. And he'll make it super simple. So give him a call this week at 205-259-1656. That's 205-259-1656. Or go to behammortgage.com. It's a big problem, pastors who are anxiety-ridden. You know, I feel for anybody who's a pastor, male or female, what they go through. Here's, here's what is tough. They're expected to be constantly available. They're afraid to be themselves truly in front of a lot of people and to be vulnerable about sure. problems they may be having, financial pressure, personal neglect. They're so busy taking care of everybody else. They eat poorly. They have criticism. One pastor says this woman wrote a really horrible letter to him. Your church is rotten. You don't know how to lead. You're this, you're that, you're this. And he was devastated. And guess mm -hmm. what? It in his church. Oh my. Well, and I feel like sometimes you see pastors when they're going, when their church is going through something, or maybe it's just a bad time for seasonal, like when, you know, all the, all churches shut down for pandemic. Like when you see those things go on, you see truly how much it takes out of them to keep things going or if something has to be rectified. Because, I mean, to me, if a church is thriving and people are, you know, shoveling in, you know, by the hundreds, you know, it's easy to look, stand back and go, man, that pastor's doing something, when really that church may be filling a void in the community, and they're really doing great things to reach out to those hurting or to those that are just in the community that need a church that they feel connected. It's not always the pastor, but when things go wrong, it's that whole, you know, who gets the glory when it's a victory and who takes the blame when it's a loss. It's always coach, right? So the pastor is the coach. Is he there championing? Is he, you know, delegating or is he micromanaging? Like how is that leadership going on within the church from the pastor down that helps that church to make it through those tough seasons? So just a quick prayer for pastors Lord, we just lift up those in leadership of churches to you, God, the pressures, the pain, the worry, the problems, the finances. We ask that you give them a perfect peace right now, God. You are for them. So who can be against them? They are the head and not the tail. They are your children, members of your kingdom. Therefore, they are royalty. They are members of the priesthood. And Lord, just encourage them, infuse them with new ideas and new possibilities, God. And just let them know they are valued by you and need to be valued by others. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Crazy. For Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, so excited when we get our guests each and every week because it adds to our summer reading. So now that summer's over, you got all these <laughs> books you got to catch up on. And uh, we always love it when we get a chance to catch up with some of our favorite authors. This is a superstar of the faith. Oh, my goodness, her resume. I can only read a few lines of it. Wow, wow, wow. Speaker, best-selling author of 16 books, two successful podcasts. We've got a podcast, you know, that we're kind of praying about. Look at her blog, Joy for the Journey, named in the top 50 faith blogs for women. Awesome. Her weekly TV show, The Joy Life, I love that, is viewed by thousands. Her new book is called Timeless. And we're super, super thrilled to kind of be able to meet and see for the first time Carol McLeod, welcome to the podcast. How Thank are you, you, Roxanne and Ace? And I have to tell you, whenever anybody reads that, I just want to say, stop, stop. No, listen, I am just a girl who's head over heels in love with Jesus, and I will do anything to tell anybody about him. So that's who I am. But thank you for that very generous introduction. Totally awesome. unnecessary. But (laughs) Carol, I'm just going to dive right in because I love with your this new book, like I feel like this is the ongoing pressing as long as I know I've been a believer and that's 40 plus years is, well, the Bible's not relevant. The Bible just doesn't, you know, it can't connect to today's problems or doesn't you know, really have anything in there for the things I'm facing. And I love that you're debunking that. So what do you say to that person that still has that argument? I would say, listen, have you taken the time to read it? Have mm. you taken the time to put your eyes on it and, and to just ingest it? Because listen, Ace, as you know, you and I are on the same team here. The Bible is as applicable today as it was 2000 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, I was an English major in college, so I know all the old stuff. Let me tell you. And my English professor told me that Beowulf was the most famous, classic, well-known poem ever written in the history of mankind. I can't even read one word of it. No, it didn't stand the test of time, but the Bible has. Mm -hmm. There's something in there for everybody, for moms, for marriages, for wayward kids, for people with questions. Listen, if you have questions, don't be afraid to go to the Bible. Because answers and truth are there. Carol, we we hear his word is sharper than a double-edged sword. His word is alive. And and I'll be honest with you, I didn't get saved into well into adulthood. And I would hear that and think, what on earth is that? His word is alive. Now I understand it. How would you explain it to someone that may be brand new to the Bible? Well, you know, Roxanne, I went to Israel this spring. Oh my goodness. What a life-changing trip. And the first day our tour guide said this to us, his name was Boaz. Get that. Boaz said to us, he said, listen, Israel, Israel is the place where a black and white book becomes technicolor. And, you know, he was partially right because the Bible does come alive, but Roxanne, The Bible is technicolor for seekers, for anybody who wants to know more about Jesus. The Bible is not a flat book like reading People magazine or a Karen Kingsbury novel, but the Bible is powerful. It it has the power to go to the root 
of our issues. Um, one of the scriptures you just quoted, Roxanne, was um, that it's um, sharper than a two-edged sword. Well, what in the world does that mean? Like, <laughs> come on. Well, you know what? If you look at that in the Greek, this is what it really means, Roxanne. It's sharper. You're not going to believe this, but I'm telling you, this is true. Than a two-mouthed sword. What? Mm. what? Well, to me, what that means is for the word of God to do its work, its eternal work, it's got to come out of two mouths, God's mouth and our mouth. Mm. So I say to people all the time who say to me, Carol, I don't, I don't understand the Bible like you do. And I say, that's okay. Read it anyway, because we don't primarily read the Bible for information, but for transformation. And when you read the word of God, it will do a work in you back to the mouth. When people really don't understand it, I say, read it out loud in your quiet time, five, 10 minutes, whatever you do, read the Bible out loud and see what the Holy Spirit will do for you. And honestly, that's what makes the Bible a powerful book is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote it. So for your new book, Timeless, here you are reading a, and Peter and, and a book comes out of it. How does that happen? Oh, Roxanne, I've always wanted to write a book about Peter. He's my favorite disciple. Um, whenever I say that, I always feel like I should say, sorry, John, but Peter <laughs> is my favorite. Um, and I think it's because I'm so much like him. So let's talk about Peter first, and then we'll talk about first Peter and how the book was born. But Peter was imp impetuous and opinionated, guilty. Peter <laughs> slept while he should have prayed, double guilty. Okay. Peter corrected the Lord. I've done that too. Um, Peter denied Jesus three times. How many times has my life denied the Lord? Uh, but also, don't forget this about Peter. On a stormy sea one night, he said, Jesus, I want to do what you're doing. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. So Peter changed. And then of course, first Peter, we see his maturing. We see his wisdom. We see the change. He went from being a denier to a proclaimer. He went from being impetuous and opinionated to being bold. He went from winning arguments to winning souls. So I wanted to write a book based on the writings of Peter and timeless based on first Peter is the result. So what is something that obviously you were jazzed enough and, and knew enough about Peter to want to write the book? What was something that you learned that you didn't know before as you were writing? Well, Ace, I think that it's not so much that um, I learned something like totally new, mm -hmm. um, but this it cemented something in me. Let, let's put it that way. So doing this deep dive into first Peter, this is what it cemented in me how a Christian is supposed to act during times of suffering. Listen, y'all, I think that the 21st century church has done a real good job of teaching the next generation, millennials, if you will, how to find their purpose, mm. how to live a purpose-filled life, how to walk in your destiny, self-esteem, um, how to make declarations. But we have not done a good job of teaching them how to suffer well. And First Peter teaches us how to suffer well. So 
when you get in the trenches with First Peter and with his writing, you will learn how to suffer well. It's a lesson we all need, Ace. Mm -hmm. Those two words, though, it's tough to put them together, suffer and well. So how do we go about that? Yeah, so toward the end of the book, Roxanne, I actually have a list type that I've titled How to Suffer Well. And let me tell you, it's worth buying the book just for that list. But let, let me um, just boil it down to one thing. And I'm going to read you a scripture from First Peter. This is what he says. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, you greatly rejoice. So this is the Greek word, agaliao. And it's a uniquely Christian word. You do not read the word agaliao in secular Greek literature of the time. It's only in the Bible. And agaliao means to rejoice loudly, to rejoice almost obstinately against your circumstances. And to me, that's the chief way we suffer well. And listen, believers in every generation, on every continent, under every ruler have had to make this decision. Will I agaliao or not when I don't get my way, when I'm being persecuted, when I'm being traumatized? When tragedy has knocked on my door, will I rejoice or not? Hmm. Carol, I know you work with a lot of women's groups and you do speaking engagements and stuff. What are you saying? What is in that wheelhouse from God lately that has really been kind of your driving force in speaking to women as we head into the school year? Yeah, you know, um, in this post-pandemic world we live in, Ace, and I think we can still say that. I don't think we're that far removed from the pandemic that we we have to lose that um, title. Women are stressed out and they're lonely. W women are struggling for purpose. Mm -hmm. um, th they wonder, will, will I ever feel safe again? Um, they're stressed out by by the media, by politicians, by what's happening in America, by what's happening in the church. And, and they're lonely. You know, Ace, sometimes the loneliest women of all are moms with three little people around their legs. Sometimes the loneliest women of all belong to a vibrant church. And so when I think about the women in my generation under my watch, listen, Ace, I feel compelled. I cannot stay silent because the Bible holds the eternal answers that we are all aching for. The culture has done, and therefore the enemy, has done a phenomenal job of trying to convince us that our identity is linked to our circumstances, that um, we can be whoever we want to be, that we're, we can do whatever we want to do. And, you know, none of those things are really true at their core. While it's true, we can do whatever Christ calls us to do. I, I, Ace, this is a long answer, but let me say one more thing. I think that a lot of women are being led by their emotions. So if they feel a certain way, 
that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But I want to say to the women of my generation, listen, listen, stop thinking about how you feel and start defining what you believe. Build a life on a belief system, not on your feelings. And, and realize how important your identity is in Christ, that you belong to him, you're adopted in his family, he adores you, you're the head and not the tail. You are royalty, you are his princess. And we don't need all this approval from, we're waiting for likes and loves on social media and we've gotten so absorbed in that. When we automatically have his love and his favor and his likes, he's for us, so who can be against us? changed my life. I would walk around trying to get approval from everybody. And if anybody disliked me, I was distraught. Now I'm like, mm, I'm a Jesus girl. <laughs> I, love I hear you, Roxanne. He uses me and all is well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a two-year-old granddaughter that I am crazy about. And, you know, two-year-olds, their emotions are pretty much out of control. You know, and anything is cause for a meltdown, a tantrum. And I'm teaching her to say, all is well. Yeah. So when she can't have a popsicle, all is well. <laughs> when it's time for a nap, all is well. <laughs> when when mama's not going to be here for two more hours, all is well. And <laughs> and we're all two-year-olds at heart, aren't we? Yeah. And we yeah. need to learn that all is well because Jesus is on the throne. Oh. Yeah. The book is called Timeless (laughs) and the Living and Enduring Word of God. Carol McLeod has been our guest. Thanks so much for your insight. We look forward to having you back. I love you guys so much. Thank you for the work you do for the kingdom of God. You're amazing. I'm cheering for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. It was just wonderful to have time with you. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks. I know that uh, maybe your pastor just needs a little coffee break, and it's easy to do with the Roxanne Blend. We, of course, are so excited. My Brother's Cup, helping to make a difference globally, but just with a simple little, you know, 10-ounce cup of coffee, it's making a big difference. I love you so much. I was just kind of in a bummed mood, and I got this little message from you, of course, and I thought, this two dudes talking, what are they talking about? And they're going on and on about the Roxanne blend. I mean, they're, they're like, this is the best coffee ever. Nothing mm-hmm. compares to this. And I was like, yes, God, thank you. Because when you purchase it at mybrotherscup.com, it sends teams around the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. They need to raise the price. It's so cheap and it's so good, but... <laughs> They just want to make it economical for you. So check it out by the Roxanne Blend. Experts reveal the golden rules for dating after divorce. You have got to, got to get out there as soon as you can. Get into it. You know, when you date a little, you gain some confidence. You figure out what you want. You know, I was married for so long. I had no idea how to date anymore. And I was terrified. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, if you, if you were married for 10 years or more, so much of the dating game changes and then you're like, I don't know how to navigate this particular (laughs) decade, but I will say, you know, you talk about, you know, when you're ready and and I I don't want to glaze over that because I feel like sometimes we rush ourselves. I know I did. 
rush myself into a position where you're tired of being lonely or you feel like, okay, well, I've, I've had X number of months by myself. I, I feel like I'm in a good place. And then you get into a relationship with someone and then there's a trigger that's something you didn't give yourself time to heal over. And then it just rips those wounds back open. So really make sure that you're, you know, doing what you can to put yourself in a good head and heart space with God, with yourself, with your friends, so that when the time comes, it's almost like you're in a position where like, no, I'm good. I don't really need anybody. And then God goes, whoop. And then there's the perfect person for where you're at. And then they've been through similar life experiences. So you can build that life together. And be careful about your kiddos. I know Tawny yes. was before introducing, because you've really got to be solid before you do that, because it affects them. Yeah. Well, and so meeting the kids was date one, right? But spending time with them took a little while. So it was, you know, we would go on dates, but she would always have to, like the ultimate bribery with the kids was, if you'll let me date this guy, I'll take you to Disney. Well, then by the time, then the, then we got married, the pandemic hit. And then by the time Disney was an option, we were married and, you know, we had a rhythm and a family blended. And so everybody got to go to Disney. So I, I guess I, I reap the rewards of that as well. But in that, it's true. Like you, you have to be careful about how you're, because if you're parading, you know, as fast as you're swiping left or right, if you're parading that in front of your children, it, it only does damage to them in the long run. Well, maybe you could all go on a cruise. The Icon of the Sea sets sail early next year. It will be the biggest cruise ship on the ocean. It departs from Miami. A lot of folks go out of Miami from central Alabama and beyond. The thing is, it's highly controversial. It is candy colored. It is bright. And one critic calls it a Candy Crush version of the dystopian underground world from science fiction. It's horrible. It's a monstrosity. Others say, so what? It's a ship. It can be bright. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, I don't, I don't know if why, but like they say, it's bigger and heavier than the Titanic, which <laughs> we all know how that ended. Do, do we really need a boat that's heavier and larger? <laughs> Like it's, it's fine. My, my thought is if it's a bright colored boat, it's going to be light, right? Like that's where my brain goes. It's like, and are you serving candy on this boat? Cause you know, <laughs> well, they, they, got they a say lot. the buffets on the cruises are better than anywhere else. So I, well, they got all a lot a going on buffet. 20 decks packed with 20 bars, restaurants, seven pools, nine whirlpools, six water slides. That would be fun. I went on a real old cruise on a real old boat and there was no water slide, but yeah. have you seen the slides on some of these boats that go way out over the ocean and back in? Yeah. I guess I could do it with my eyes shut. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that would be me. I'd be like, I don't need to know how far out you're swinging me over shark infested waters <laughs> all for a good time. Wee, kitty. Wee. Let's have some fun. Who wants some shrimp? <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. As always, we want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making this week possible. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow so you don't miss future episodes. And then go see what you caught up and need to for uh, previous episodes as well. But we will see you again next weekend. And uh, Roxanne, I love you. Love you, Bunches. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. 
Find out more at RoxanneAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.